Galatians chapter 3 this evening, and uh, Galatians chapter 3. I had heard it said when I was uh, back some time ago, when I was training for the ministry, and I came across a number of people, and even when I was younger, there was this concept that the Israel of the Old Testament had a different form of salvation than we have today, and uh, what we have during Christ, and, and that is absolutely false, and I want to show you today from the scriptures as we continue our study through the book of Galatians. So the book of Galatians chapter 3, and we're going to look at uh, verses 6 through 14 tonight, uh, Lord willing. And uh, so let's look at Galatians chapter 3 uh, tonight. Abraham's conversion, so we're going to talk about Abraham. Well, if you know anything about Abraham, uh, many do. Uh, if you're watching and stuff, but Abraham was the one to whom God made the promises that started what is now the Jewish or Israel as a nation. He is the first father to whom God worked. Uh, he stepped out in faith some three, four thousand years ago, and God worked mightily uh, in his life. And uh, Abraham displayed a lot of the lack of faith that we had, but there was something that happened. And we're going to talk about what is it, how did Abraham, thousands of years ago, come to faith in God? Was it through some sacrifices? Uh, was it through being a good person? We're going to talk about that tonight. And, and this has caused a lot of, uh, it causes a lot of problems. There's a lot of cults. Uh, that are continuing to emphasize some of the things from the Old Testament, these Old Testament laws. And so this is what we're going to look at tonight uh, and show you from God's Word definitively what God says. So in Galatians chapter 3, verse 6, even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now what you find here, real quick, before I go any further on this, this is Abraham believed God, and, and I'm going to explain what he believed in him, but it was accounted in Abraham put his faith in God, and God counted him for righteousness, meaning faith, the faith that Abraham put in God, put him as a child of God. And then the blessings, and then God worked in his life through that, so he solidified his faith, he settled his faith in God in a one-time belief. And I'll show you, go from here. Nevertheless, going forward, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. Preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things, which are written in the book of the law, to do them. But that no man is justified. The word justified is where you are made innocent before God. But no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us. It means that word redeem is to, the imagery of redeem is if someone is on the slave market, someone buys you out of slavery and they give you freedom. 
And that's exactly, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for it, for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. The blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And so we're going to talk about Abraham's conversion tonight and, uh, uh, and, and all the stuff around that. So let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his wisdom on this time, and uh, we'll continue our study. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for being a wonderful God. Father, I thank you that there's no good works. Lord, we don't have to be good enough. Now, Father, we don't have to measure ourselves against someone else. The only real standard is perfection of yourself, and Lord, we know we can't do it, but Jesus did. And if we put our faith in Jesus, Lord, that faith, that settles the decision of our eternity and our relationship with you. And so, Father, if I pray tonight that the words that are spoken would be clear, and uh, Father, there be no misunderstanding. Help me to preach uh, your word clearly and accurately. Father, if there be any tonight that are not saved, that are watching, uh, Lord, that do not know Jesus as their Savior, I pray tonight that they would call out to you and ask you to forgive them and be their Savior. I love you and thank you for what you'll do in Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. So Abraham, so now Paul here in Galatians chapter 3, I've been talking about that Paul is dealing with these Judaizers. And these are Jewish people that are wanting these non-Jewish people to follow Jewish laws. Jewish customs, Jewish traditions. And uh, he tells the Galatians about the conversion of Abraham here in verse 6. And uh, now we notice in verse 6, even as Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, I want you to look with me at Hebrews chapter 11. We'll come back here to Galatians. But Hebrews chapter 11, uh, as we talk about Abraham here. And we're just kind of going verse by verse through this book of Galatians. But Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse 9. Hebrews 11, 9 and 10. And uh, speaking about Abraham. So we're going to go back and do a little bit of history here on Abraham and an understanding of this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9. By faith he sojourned, he, which means he lived in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob the heirs with him of the same promise, for he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Now, at the end of Revelation, we have the very same thing. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and in them the name of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And there's 12 foundations. He sees these foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And so Abraham, he leaves Ur of the Chaldees. He leaves his place. God says, Abraham, leave. Abraham, I'm going to give you a blessing. Now, I want to show you, take you to this place, and I'll, and I'll come back and kind of revisit this, but God's original promises to Abraham. Look with me at Genesis 15. Genesis 15, first book in the Bible. Genesis verse chapter 15. And this is where uh, many times the Abrahamic covenant is made. And uh, this is where there's also a lot of misunderstanding around that. Uh, and particularly the Jewish nation today has a great misunderstanding. Uh, they take pride in the fact that they're Jewish. That somehow by their ethnicity that puts them in a right standing with God. Now I, wanted to take, I want you to take note right now. It doesn't matter your ethnicity. That will not make you a child of God by inherent right of your ethnicity. It doesn't matter where, where you're born. It doesn't matter who, 
who your parents were, you are not a child of God by virtue of just being uh, 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 whatever ethnicity you are, your background. Now, God has specially blessed the nation of Israel as a people group, and we spoke about that on Sunday night, that one of the greatest uh, testimonies for the authenticity of God is the Jewish race has never been extinguished. There are many, many races of people, or ethnicities, or cultures of people that are no longer in existence, but not the Jewish people as God had promised. And we dealt with that on Sunday night. It was really exciting, and uh, we'll continue our study uh, there in that revelation uh, in a couple weeks here. But Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. He's saying, Abraham, Abram at the time, you and your wife Sarah will have a child. Now they're quite elderly at this time, around 75 years of age. In verse 5, and he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars that thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, So shall thy seed be. Here's the key, verse 6. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted to him for righteousness. Abraham said, I have no child. I have no son. The Lord showed him the stars of heaven. He said, Abraham, you're going to have all of these, just as many as the stars of heaven, like the sand in the, on the, the seashore, you're going to have many, many children. And Abraham believed God. Abraham put his faith and his trust in what God had to say merely in faith. There was no altar sacrifice. There was nothing good works that Abraham was doing. In fact, in verse 12, and when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said, Abram, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not there, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. God says, listen, Abram, you're going to have some children, and those children in the land that is not theirs, which was Egypt, Israel would be slaves in Egypt for 400 years, just as God promised. Now, Abraham here in verse 6, coming back to this, he did nothing to merit a right standing. It said he counted to him for righteousness. Righteousness is being in a right standing before God. Wherein, before, if you're unrighteous, you've sinned, we've done bad things. But if before God, God has forgiven me of the wrong that I have done, I am now before him standing rightly or in righteousness. And the Judaizers, though, were proud. In John chapter 8, verse 33, they answered him and said, We be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? How was Abraham saved? How was, now that word saved there is saved, you have to ask the question, saved from what? 
Because if I'm going to say I'm saved, what is that? What are you being saved from? Because saving someone, if I'm going to save you, what does that mean? I have to save you from something. If you're drowning and I throw a life preserver or I jump into the water and I grab you and I pull you to shore or pull you to a boat, I'm saving you from drowning. The saving here is that all of us are sinners and we are destined, as the Bible says, for the place the Bible calls hell. So in Abraham's situation, he believed the faith. He put his faith. And notice with me, verse 6, the L-O-R-D is all capitalized. That is Jehovah, his personal name. And so what here, what he is saying, and the Apostle Paul, in verse 6, what he's saying to these Judaizers, I mean, he is cutting the feet right off of them. And Paul is just beginning to say that your faith, you think, just because somehow in some distant lineage to Abraham, your, he's your great, 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 you know, down the row forefather. And by virtue of that, that makes you right with God. But Abraham was not right with God by virtue of his ethnicity. In verse 7, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Listen, you and I can be of the children of Abraham by faith. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, we are in that lineage, spiritually speaking. And Jesus would bluntly tell the Judaizers in John chapter 8, if you want to look here, just look with me here briefly. John chapter 8, we'll look at a couple verses on this. But he's dealing, because these Judaizers have this thing, we have all these rituals, we have all these traditions and customs. Uh, we are Jewish people, so we're obviously better than other nations and other people by virtue of our ethnicity. And God flat out says, nah, -uh. <laughs> no way. John eight thirty nine. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, if ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham, but now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God, this did not Abraham. And, <laughs> you know, in the, all of this, and then look with me, verse 44, what Jesus tells of them. He says, ye are of your father the devil, the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Jesus flat out, he says, no, your father is not Abraham. I don't care your ethnicity. Your father's not Abraham, your father's the devil. Now, I want to tell you, that's not going to go over very well, and hence why they wanted to kill him. Abraham simply, as Galatians tells us, he believed. He put his faith in God. You know, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 9, John the Baptist said very similar things. He said, think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. So, not, so being a child of Abraham, as fond as the Judaizers were of their boast had nothing to do with their spiritual, their spiritual birth. 
So here's the, the sure foundation. Look with me at verse 8. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify means he would take those, he would make right, he would make, uh, wipe away their slate of guiltiness before him, justify the heathen through faith, preach before the gospel to Abraham, and saying, and these shall all nations be blessed. The good news is all nations will be blessed through the spiritual blessing of Abraham. Salvation is by faith. So Paul was no innovator. He preached the same gospel that was preached to Abraham thousands of years prior. And you think about this, and then verse 9, so then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. So what, Abra what the Apostle Paul is preaching to the Gentiles, the Gentiles are all those, all cultures that are non-Jewish. He says, listen, you come to God the same way Abraham did, by faith. And they notice something here in verses 10 through 12. For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. The Galatian believers, and I know I, there's some repetition here in Galatians on this, but the Galatian believers, when we get curious over things that sound really smart, they sound interesting, they sound new, they sound curious we can many times want to follow them. And this is how it's happening with these young believers. They're like, oh, I've never heard of that. Oh, the Bible's saying this. And... But here's something. To keep the law as a means of salvation. In De Deuteronomy 27, 26, Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them, and all the people shall say amen. Now, I want you to notice me. the law. There is not one person of us. Do, turn with me to Deuteronomy 27. And, the, and we're going to show you something tonight on this uh, as it relates to the cult groups today. And, and there are one of the, the infamous cult groups that we have today are the Seventh-day Adventists. They want to bring us back under the law saying we need to have church on Saturdays. And they say we need to observe the Sabbath. And I'll get to that here shortly, but I want you to understand that not one person can perfectly follow the law. Now, look at me at Deuteronomy 27, verse 13. And these shall stand upon Mount Ebal to curse Reuben, Gad, and Asher, and Zebulon, Dan, and Naphtali. And the Levites shall speak and say unto all the men of Israel with a loud voice, Cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molten image an abomination to the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and putteth it in a secret place, and all the people shall answer and say, Amen. So in every one of these things that we're going to read through here, Deuteronomy 27, next verse, is 20, uh, verse 16, the people say, Yep, that's us. We'll do it, Lord. We can perfectly follow this. Verse 16, Cursed be he that setteth light by his father's mother, all the people shall say amen. Cursed be he that removeth his neighbor's landmark. I mean, if you have a property line and you move over your neighbor's property line, God says curses on you and all the people shall say amen. Cursed be he that maketh the blind to wander out of the way. If you're there and a blind person and you lead them in the wrong direction, people said, yep, absolutely. And all the people shall say amen. Right? 
Cursed be he that perverteth the judgment of the stranger, fatherless and widow, and all the people shall say amen. Uh, and then it goes on. Cursed be he that uh, smiteth his neighbor secretly. I mean, if you have a fight with a neighbor and you punch him or hit him, God says curses, and all the people shall say amen. Cursed be he that taketh reward to slay an innocent person. This is verse 24 and 25. Uh, and all the people shall say amen. Verse 26. Cursed be he that confirmeth not. Notice with me. Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of the law, of this law, to do them. And all the people shall say amen. The people at that time of Moses' time with Israel, they said we will perfectly follow the law. That's what we can do. Now I want you to notice with me, verse 28, chapter 28, verse 15. The pride of the people to say we will perfectly follow the law. And if we don't, there'll be curses. Because you know what? Every one of us mess up. I don't care how, where you're born, how good your home, or how bad your home, we are all going to mess up. We're all going to do something bad. We're going to get angry. We're going to say a word in haste and a word in anger. We're going to say something we shouldn't. We will all sin, as the Bible says. Verse 15 of Deuteronomy 28, But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Verse 15 of Deuteronomy 28, To observe, to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. God says, if you don't do all of these things, everything perfectly, then judgment's going to fall on you. Verse 16, Cursed shalt thou be in the city, and cursed shalt thou be in the field. Cursed shall be thy basket and thy store. Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy land, the increase of thy kind, which is the cows, and the flocks of sheep. Cursed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and cursed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation, and rebuke, and all that thou settest thine hand unto, for to do until thou be destroyed, until thou perish quickly, because of the wickedness of thy doings, whereby thou hast forsaken me. Now I want to ask you a question. If you're in, imagine going back to the days you're in school. You're in school, and the teacher tells you, if you ever make a mistake, and maybe you're, you're writing something down, you're like, oh no, I need to erase that. You, you go into jail for the rest of your life. You make one mistake, and you go to jail for the entire rest of your life. I, I think we'd all be in prison. I know we would all be in prison. Because we all, you know, we're riding along. I'm left-handed, but we're all, anyways, that's why I'm, but we're all in this. that We would mess up. We can't follow that. How heavy of a burden would that be? I mean, can you imagine how nervous you would be if you had to follow that to the every jot and tittle? This is why Jesus said, and Paul, in the Word of God, says in Galatians 3.10, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. Man, that's a heavy burden. You better be perfect. Everything. I mean, if a teacher asks you a question, if you have a test and you get one wrong answer on that test, you fail for the entire rest of your education. Tell me what education that is and I never want to go there. Because <laughs> I know I'd mess up. 
That's heavy. And he says, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law. So G uh, Paul here is dealing with these Judaizers are like, are you guys kidding me? Don't you realize how much heavy weight that puts upon you? Not one of us, not even the best Jewish person can keep all of Moses' law. Now, some of the laws that were given there dealt with some of the hygiene and other things were because they were nomadic. They traveled a lot. But there's some things today in the modern Jewish society, those who are the religious Jews, they still don't practice on the Sabbath. So what do they do? They get non-practicing Jews and Gentiles to do the work on the Sabbath so those who are keeping the Sabbath can continue forward. And so the solution, again, these religious Jews, they put such a heavy burden. And Seventh-day Adventists who come forcibly under the indictments of Galatians 3.10. Seventh-day Adventists. Now, it was interesting, John Phillips, he said, some years ago I was living in Canada. And uh, he was living in Prince George, British Columbia. He said, I crossed verbal swords with a man who wanted to impose the law on me. He said, in wintertime, the temperatures there in Prince George... Uh, would frequently dip to minus 45 uh, Fahrenheit, about 43 or so, 42. And it would often hover around minus 22 degrees. All plumbing had to be buried deep. We know we have all of that here. He said in Arctic, you know, if it got really cold, it would be 54 degrees below. The doorknob was so cold that if you touched it with your bare hands, your hand would stick to it. No, this is quite some years ago. He said at that time... He goes to the Seventh-day Adventist and he asks him a question. He says, you tell me, what do you do in the wintertime here in Prince George when the temperature dips below zero? The Bible says in Exodus chapter 35, verse 3, ye shall kindle no fire throughout your habitations upon the Sabbath day. So he tells, he says, Seventh-day Adventist, you're telling me I can't do any work on the Sabbath day. It's 54 degrees below zero and I can't put a fire, a log on a fire today? What do you do? He says the man had no answer. He asked him another question. He says, what kind of suit are you wearing? The man says, he asked him, he said, are you wearing a suit with a mixture of fabrics, wool and cotton? And the man said, sure, I am. Well, he tells him, he said, even as you stand here trying to persuade me to put myself under the law, you are under the curse of the law yourself. In Deuteronomy 22, verse 11, Thou shalt not wear a garment of diverse sorts, as of woolen and linen together. According to Jewish law, you can't have clothes that have wool and cotton together. In Jewish law. So this Seventh-day Adventist who's trying to impose the Sabbath on this man, he's breaking the very law that he's trying to put you into bondage under. How about this? Thou shalt make the fringes upon the four quarters of thy vesture, wherewith thou girdest, coverest thyself. They're supposed to be, and the fringes of the, heart, of the garment, they're supposed to have these fringes. This man wasn't doing this. <laughs> and so he tells him, you certainly aren't going to get me under that curse too. I don't want to be under the curse of the law. So then he comes here, and the Apostle Paul, coming back to our main text, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. None of us are perfect. 
It's faith. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, it says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Those people, any individual, any person that wants to tell you the Old Testament people came to God by doing sacrifices and had a relationship with God, they could lose their faith, they could gain their faith, all of this stuff, by sacrifices, they don't understand the Bible. The Bible, Habakkuk, Genesis with Abraham has always been by faith. And Habakkuk was a prophet that knew the people had sinned to a point that judgment was inevitable. And, and the Babylonians would be the very arm that God would use of justice against them. The just shall live by faith. So the emphasis in Habakkuk is on shall live. Let's live forever in the resurrection life. He says, listen, yes, you're going to have some judgment here because of some bad decisions, but the just shall live by faith. You will live forever in heaven. But it starts by faith. The emphasis on the words shall live in Habakkuk 2.4. You, you can look with me here. One of these minor prophets, right? In Habakkuk 2.4. All right, Habakkuk 2.4. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. He's saying, listen, the nation, this, these people are not right with God. They have lived in sin, but the just shall live by his faith. So he raises him from the above the temporal to the realms of the eternal. And Paul does not lose sight of this fact. He raises the thing above just, are you following this holiday? Are you doing enough good works? Are you being a good enough person? You realize it was in fact this text that revolutionized the life of Martin Luther. How hard he tried as a zealous and conscientious monk to accumulate merit to earn his salvation. To be good enough for God. He fasted, he prayed until he was reduced to a mere skeleton. He beat himself like a, with a whip until he was a mess, mass of cuts and sores. He had done penance and gone on pilgrimage. Then one day, as he crawled on his hands and knees, a pilot's staircase in Rome and prayed earnestly to the Virgin Mary on every step, the light dawned. The voice of God cut through his prayers and thundered in his soul, this just shall live by faith. He rose from his knees, brushed off the dust of that place, marched boldly back down those stairs and on out of the Church of Rome altogether. And what Paul is telling is not of works, it's of faith. Now comes a conclusion here, verse 12. And thou, the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. You know in Leviticus 18.5, ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them, I am the Lord. 
the, the law that these Judaizers are trying to put is do, do, do. You must do this. This is a continual refrain. Exodus 18, 20. Leviticus 18, 4. Uh, Leviticus 20, verse 8. And ye shall keep my statutes and do them. Leviticus 22, 31. 25, 18. Deuteronomy 17, 18 and 19. Uh, Deuteronomy 26, uh, verse 16. The Lord thy God hath commanded thee to do these statutes and judgments. Thou shalt therefore keep them and do them with all thine heart and with all thy soul. Now here's the real crux of the matter. Not only are you to mechanically do these actions, not only, it's like a, a parent telling their child, go clean your room. <sighs> okay. Right? They march in the room, they go clean their room up. I want to ask you a question. How often do you think that child, when you tell them, go clean your room, do they do it with all their heart? Many times they're going to do it because they've been told to do something, but they're only doing it because they don't want the consequences of not doing it. But their heart is not into it. God not only says, I want you to follow the, if you want to follow the law, not only must you follow the law, but you've got to do it with all your heart. You've got to do it because you want to do all of it. And you've got to do it perfectly and never mess up. I guarantee you, None of us can keep such a heavy ball and chain. It's heavy. And religion puts all of this weight on you. You must do, 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 or else. The young man that came to Jesus, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? He would ask Jesus. Jesus said, if thou wilt enter the life, keep the commandments. <laughs> And Matthew 19, let's look at this. I want you to, I am bringing this, Deuteronomy chapter 19, or Matthew 19, excuse me, Matthew 19, apologize. I don't know why I said Deuteronomy. Matthew 19, verse 16, Matthew 19, 16. You want to know that as a Christian, you follow the word of God, there's freedom. Because I'm not under all this weight to somehow be good enough to merit or receive the attention of God because I've been good enough. If you're around a parent and you have to always be good in order to get any attention from them, you're always walking on eggshells hoping you've done enough that they're going to be pleased with you. You're hoping, you know, as, you know, or, uh, you know, some things maybe growing up, there was a parent or someone that I knew, and, and I knew maybe they were prone to a certain attitude, and if I misbehaved or I did anything, so around these individuals, I would be very careful not to uh, push them into this emotional state. Deuteron uh, Matthew 19, I don't know why I say Deuteronomy, but Matthew 19, verse 16, and behold, one came and said to him, good master, what good things shall I do? that I may have eternal life. He fails the primary test of faith right here. Jesus, and he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which, Jesus said, thou shalt, do no, thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother. 
Thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. When the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. In fact, this man would have around him, presumably, those who were poor. But he did not love his neighbor as he loved himself. And in so doing, he was a lawbreaker. Nobody loves our neighbors as we do ourselves. Still less do we love God. But Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. None of us do that perfectly. We can't, I mean, it is impossible. You know what? None of us can follow even the Ten Commandments perfectly. You know the first and greatest sinner is not a murderer, an adulterer, or a thief? The first and greatest sinner is the person who breaks the first and greatest commandment. Right? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Apart from Jesus Christ, no one has ever loved Jesus, ever, ever loved God with all their heart, soul, and mind. None of us have ever done that. None of us. This whole thing that these Galatians are trying to impose on these believers is to bring them under a religious system of heavy bondage. The law says you must do this. And God's grace says it's already paid for. It's done. On the cross, when Jesus cried, it is finished, all of the being perfect of the law has already been finished. And by faith we cross over from death to life. This Galatian passage here, as it is dealt with, is Abraham, the gospel has always been you, by faith. You put your faith in God for your eternity. You put your faith in God. Abraham put his faith in God, whose maker and builder is God. The gospel is he just put his faith in God. And just as if someone today in John chapter 3, if, as Jesus would tell Nicodemus, in this present age, we may need to be born again, just as Jesus would tell Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, believeth, right, just like Abraham, believeth in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. It, becoming a Christian is simply by faith. We enter into the spiritual heritage of Abraham. The Bible's salvation thing, salvation method has always been, the gospel has always been, put your faith in God. During one of his great campaigns, D.L. Moody was aggressively approached by a man who had been to a number of the services and who, although convicted of his need for Christ, had kept postponing his decision. Now the last night had come, the altar call was over, the people were going home, the work crew was busy folding up the chairs and dismantling the platform, and Mr. Moody was preparing to leave. The man finally plucked up his courage, he came to the, van the evangelist and blurted out, Mr. Moody, what must I do to be saved? D.L. Moody looked at him, 
I'm sorry, sir, he said. You're too late. Too late, Mr. Moody? The man was desperate now. Surely I'm not too late. Yes, sir, said Moody. You're too late. As a matter of fact, you're 2,000 years too late. If you want to do something to be saved, all the doing has been done. But if you'd like to accept Christ by faith as your personal Savior, you're just in time. You can do that right here, right now. In this passage of Scripture, and the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. We either live in the freedom of faith or we live in the bondage of the law. Can I tell you, you know, if someone's in, in prison or in jail, that's not freedom. That's not a way to be, because all the weight of the, the laws of the land are upon you, putting you in that place, telling you everything you can do. But you know what? If we <laughs> just do what we're, you know, if you think about it, but in faith, what I'm doing is I'm just trusting what God says. I'll, yep, Jesus died on the cross. He rose again for me. Yep, I'm a sinner. Yeah, I'm guilty. I know I am. I know I deserve to be in that, impri that imprisonment for eternity. But I'm going to let Jesus pay it all. Because I know I can't be good enough. I'll never be good enough. I can never not break a law. And so I ask him to forgive me and be my Savior. I simply take that gift. And the Apostle Paul, I mean, he is hitting at these Judaizers. He says, listen here. You are bringing beliefs and teachings that are not accurate. That's not, if you're Abraham, of Abraham, Abraham didn't even do that. You're not of Abraham, you're of the devil, just as Jesus would say. You know what, my friend, as you think about this, the Abraham's conversion, it's, it's a wonderful thing that we can never measure up to God, but we measure up when we simply just take God at his word and put our faith in Christ. It's a wonderful thing. It's free gift by faith. But the law is heavy. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a part of any religious system where I have to do all these things to somehow merit enough favor that God will hopefully, maybe, possibly, in the end, accept me. That's an awful way to live. That's a very burdensome, heavy, I mean, it's just, you're like always nervous. That's an awful place to be. Why don't we just live by faith? Live by what God says. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. And then live each day by faith. He does give us instructions on how to live life. He does give us instructions on boundaries and things to help keep us from additional struggles and troubles and all those things out of love. But it all starts. Yep, I know I can't ever be good enough. So I'm going to ask Jesus to forgive me, be my Savior. And if you'll do that, my friend, tonight, you can become a child of His. Let's pray. And we'll have a time of invitation here shortly. If I can just have Mrs. Pat come forward please. Uh, we'll do an invitation and then we'll have our prayer time to follow. As you think about this, the number one question I'm going to ask you tonight, is there ever a point in time in your life where you just simply ask God, you recognize you're a sinner, you recognize the condition of your heart, you knew that you're not perfect before God, you knew that Jesus, that your sins, all the bad you've done, put Jesus on that cross, caused him to die, went to the grave, he rose again to forgive you forgiveness, and you just simply accept that by faith, as the Bible says, you ask him to forgive you and be your Savior, my friend, tonight, you'll be God's child. You can never lose it, you can never give it up, because if you've accepted, put your faith in Jesus, it's a permanent gift.
because Abraham had many, Abraham messed up a lot. But he accounted to him for righteousness because he just put his faith in God at that one time. Just as what Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And that changes your eternal destiny. So as the music plays tonight, and Christian, I trust, you know, as we encounter other those that might be Seventh-day Adventists or others with a doctrine that teaches you must do this, you must do this, you must do this to get to heaven. You can say that's not faith. That's the law. That's heavy and binding, and I don't want any part of it. I accepted Jesus as my Savior. I'm free. I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. What a wonderful encouragement that is as you think about that tonight. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I'd love to sit down with you with the Bible and show you how you can know for sure. And Christian, may we rejoice in the freedom in Jesus Christ. And just a moment longer as the music will come to a close, I trust. You just think about these words and rejoice in the gift of Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this evening. Thank you for your grace. Father, thank you for the, fr the freedom we have in Christ. Lord, I don't have to follow all these religious rituals and traditions of man. But Father, I can simply follow the word of God, take you for what you say, believe it by faith, and know for sure I'm on my way to heaven. Know for sure that I'm your child. And every one of us, Lord, that at some point in time in our lives, we were born again, just like we were physically born, we were spiritually born on a day. God, I pray we'd rejoice in how wonderful this gift of Jesus is. I thank you and I praise you for being our great God. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right. Thank you so much, Miss Pat. We'll have our time of prayer here. <laughs>